everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I am really glad you've joined us today. Of course, you have joined us during WDET's fall fundraiser, and the stakes could not be higher than they are for us this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the massive economic disruptions that have happened. We are short on the year in terms of our fiscal health. And by September 30th, which is the end of our fiscal year, we have to make up a pretty significant gap. So our goal for the fundraiser this fall is $500,000. And that sounds like a very big number. It is a very big number. But we have a lot of confidence that we can reach that number because of listeners like you, people who listen to this show every day. Think of the value of the community that we are building together here on Detroit Today. Think of all of the things that in the last six months, especially, we have learned about ourselves and each other inside this community and how we have been able to connect with each other and get through all of this together. Now is the time for you to do your part in that relationship. If you are someone who listens all the time, if you are someone who listens just a few days a week, now is the perfect time to become a member of WDET. Uh, Just go to WDET.org and give what you can and help secure local programs like Detroit Today so that we can continue to build the community that we have been for so long. And of course, thank you to everyone who has given so far and to everyone who will give throughout the fundraiser. Up first today, since the murder of George Floyd back in May, our country has been in the middle of a deep reckoning with systemic racism, the police, and our communities. And while the calls for defunding the police have grown louder and tensions between the public and law enforcement are building in some parts of the country, including right here in Detroit, there is a need still for a larger conversation about what community policing and safety might look like in the future. Sherry McRill is the president and CEO of Northeast Integrated Health, and she joins me now to talk about a program that seeks to support both law enforcement and the community on emergency calls. Sherry, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you for having me back again today. Yes. So uh, start with your program, which you call CAPA, Community and Police Partnership Advocacy Program, what it is and how it works. Well, as you said, CAPA is our Community and Police Partnership Advocacy Program, which we've been delivering since the late uh, 1990s in the Detroit community. And we provide crisis assistance along with the Detroit Police Department and other departments to persons in our community to avoid arrest and incarceration when uh, there is really a behavioral health services need as opposed to this being a um, public safety or a, a felony. Really, these um, situations that we get involved in are more misdemeanors where a um, trained social worker, psychologist working along with their DPD partner officer can de-escalate a situation and provide a rapid uh, behavioral health assessment right on the scene, uh, do some planning, and then uh, reach out and find some referral and follow-up services. Um, 
this is one of the really important inflection points in the conversation that we're having about policing, and that is the sort of intersection between police matters and mental health. Lots yeah. of people have been talking about the fact that so much of what the police are asked to respond to uh, falls into the into the realm of problems that are really about mental health and the lack of of, of mental health services. Uh, you have three parts to your program. I want you to talk about what those three parts are and and how you feel like they they diffuse these these potentially uh, explosive encounters between police and people who just need a little mental health care? Well, the parts to the program are, as I just talked about, our um, outreach services, of which we do ride-alongs with the Detroit Police Department Mm -hmm. um, to provide that service on the scene uh, to help individuals with community resources to divert them from incarceration. But a very important part of the program is the training that we provide to public safety officers and security officers and law enforcement personnel throughout our community. Um, and that training is centered on uh, de-escalation techniques uh, for our police officers, training about implicit bias. Um, as part of our staff, we have a, um, a peer support specialist who has lived experience and has been through the um, community justice system as well as is a person who's living in recovery with their own behavioral health issues. We also can provide mental health first aid, uh, uh, QPR, suicide prevention training, and deal um, with strategically with individuals to find the resources and solutions to the problems again so that we do not end up with the violent kinds of situations that we've had in the past and to provide the resources and the referrals that people with behavioral health and homelessness need as opposed to incarceration and filling up our jails, Mm. obviously. Uh, The practical end of this part of the program where you are with police when they are responding to calls, I'm really curious about how that works, how the police react to mental health professionals being along on those calls and how the public reacts uh, to that service being available to them. Well, our Detroit Police Department has always uh, embraced this partnership, um, and especially now at a time when uh, people are scrambling for ways to help resolve issues during the pandemic and with all the social justice issues, we have uh, had this partnership with DPD for over 20 years. And um, as a result of that, we have been training new officers who come out of the academy for the past 20 years in terms of mental health diagnosis and techniques. And there are uh, a special group of officers who travel with our folks that we do the ride-alongs with. And we find that the community is very uh, open to having uh, this partnership and having uh, the um, the relationship that they form, especially with people who are homeless on the streets. It takes sometimes five, ten visits, uh, talks, and um, engagement opportunities, as we would call them, to connect with some people and to get them to engage in services. 
and the officers and the police liaison, behavioral health worker, uh, work on that together so that they can find the optimum resources with the least restrictive care for our folks that we deal with on the street, um, which is primarily who the population is that, um, you know, we're talking to. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we will be able to expand the program uh, with additional funding so that they can respond to more calls and, in fact, look at some of the nationwide models where they, in fact, have uh, special call-in lines where dispatch um, can assess that it's a behavioral health issue right from the request uh, for um, what is now known as a 911 call and then be able to dispatch these special teams and have enough officers that they can cover the whole city. Right now it's limited to specific precincts, but we've had a lot of requests to expand the program. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Sherry McRill. She's the CEO of Northeast Integrated Care. She's talking about their program, CAPA, which is Community and Police Partnership Advocacy Program, uh, a partnership with the Detroit Police Department to try to add some mental health heft to the services that are offered by the police. They do ride-alongs with police. They offer other kinds of outreach services uh, with regard to mental health. Uh, And they do training for police to be able to deal with mental health issues a little better than we have seen in the past. Uh, As always, we want to hear from you. Uh, What do you think of efforts to create more mental health support for for the public and for law enforcement. Uh, about a month ago uh, or so, calls to defund the police had reached a real fever pitch, especially here in the city of Detroit. How are you feeling about that question now? And when we say things like defund the police, are we really talking about reconstituting law enforcement in a way that would give them more tools to be able to support people who have mental health needs and other needs and not just respond with force or arrest. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Also, give us a call and let us know what you think police reform should look like, uh, even if it goes beyond questions of mental health. What do you think we should be doing differently with uh, law enforcement in this city, in this country, given all of the things that have gone on in the last few months, the massive protests that responded not only to the murder of George Floyd, uh, but also the, the pattern and deep-rooted uh, uh, systemic racism that uh, that we have to deal with here in the country. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Cynthia in Detroit. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to say that for me, I have a son who's 21, and he's been diagnosed with schizophrenia, mm. and um, it onset at 18, and I just want to commend the Detroit Police Department because when I call them in regards to my son, they always calm, they're always compassionate, and they're always um, kind, and they wait. They do whatever they have to do Mm. um, to help me with him. So I just 
was driving and I heard about this Kappa thing. And I do think there needs to be more services for um, people with mental illnesses. It's very, very difficult to get um, things done. But as far as the Detroit Police Department, particularly the 8th Precinct, where where I always call, mm-hmm. they always come wow. and help me. Yeah. You know? So, so Cynthia, I think that's a really interesting point to make and it's an interesting perspective to add to the conversation given the frustrations that that lots of people have with police in general and with Detroit police uh, in particular right now. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. to me like your experience, your interactions uh, with the police uh, are, 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 going, are going the way they should go. Uh, well, yeah, they go for, well, I take my son's picture to the police station. I leave phone numbers for them to call me or someone in the family before they call an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Or So they, we kind of have developed where they know my son because he walks around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I don't want them to hurt him either. So I feel I have to be proactive too. But as far as it goes for me, the 8th Precinct has been very a very good place for me to call and get help yeah cynthia i really appreciate uh, the call and and the comments uh sherry mcrill this sounds like sort of an ideal it, it is uh, and situation. i'm so happy cynthia that you've had this positive um engagement and relationship with the eighth precinct this is what community policing is about it's parents and partnering with local police. So you've provided some education and information about the needs that your son has, special needs, and they're responding in an appropriate way to that. And so that's exactly the outcome that we're looking for. Mm. Uh, Again, uh, Cynthia, appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Sean in River Rouge. Sean, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well. Great topic today. Thank you. Okay, so I have two... A two-part comment. Um, a, I think we must remember that um, policing in this city, in this country, started from slave catching. Mm-hmm. So, as a system, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where the brokenness comes from because as society has shifted, the ideas behind it has not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in, in reference to community um, community policing, I have a best friend who just became a licensed social worker. And I feel like they are so underused and underpaid that a lot of things that police are called for, they can they can do and do it well. But because we don't look at society that way, we're doing ourselves a disservice as well as them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Um, Sean, I, I really appreciate uh, the call and those comments. Uh, Sherry McCrill, I wonder what you make of... Again, this bigger conversation that we're having about policing, its history and its roots, and the way that it unfolds in, in front of us now. Of course, you're working with police to make the institution uh, better. But as Sean points out, these other things loom really large in the conversation. They do loom large, and it is accurate that the, um, the horizon has changed. Um, We're asking so much more of our police departments and our police officers than ever before, um, much like the kinds of burdens and responsibilities that we put on our school systems, um, you know, who used to be single-tasked as well. So it's important that we allow them to grow. And I do think when people talk about defunding the police, what we're really talking about is redistributing resources. 
so that, in fact, there can be more education and training and opportunities to uh, expand their knowledge and their experience so that the general public has more positive experiences like the one that Cynthia talked about. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's time. It's time for those changes to take place. Um, and I did appreciate Sean's comment about social workers being <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> yeah, it's right? true. Yeah. As well as law enforcement. Our first responders are another group of people who are very much underpaid for all the services and the specialty kinds of tasks that they have to perform these days. And so, um, we do need more support so that we can turn this ship around and that um, not only our officers, but our social service system can work in partnership and in tandem so that our communities get their needs met in a peaceful way that benefits everyone. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to Kathleen in Rochester. Kathleen, what's on your mind? Yes, good morning, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I had always... Um, valued uh, mental health services and thought that we had overused the term it's such a stigma and why not forget about all that and Mm. just simply provide in-home mental services so people can feel it is kept private Mm. especially with such a, a, a independence you know we're driven by independence in this country fueled further by that, told we can do it on our own, just do it. But you're working with law enforcement. You've got to look at the overall profile, the type of men and women that serve in that type of arena. Mm. But still, it's a stigma. So do it so it's private, so it saves the integrity of those who that's, seek the help. Yeah, that's an and interesting... And home, and I think money should be uh, stipend for this in tax. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting idea, uh, Kathleen. Thanks very much for interjecting that. Uh, Sherry McRill, the stigma that, that, you know, accompanies the idea of seeking mental health is, is uh, you know, uh, an important dimension of, of the work that you're trying to do as well. I wonder what you make of Kathleen's idea here. Well, we do provide in-home services through traditional, you know, mental health, behavioral health services through our clinic services. Most of the time, when we're called on for public safety issues with officers, oftentimes it's in the street, so there isn't the opportunity for home calls. But I, I would like to address the issue of the stigma. For many years now, we have been trying to educate the public as to um, the issues that cause um, brain dysfunction and mental illness And to really have people look at issues of mental illness and substance use disorders as just another medical issue. So hopefully we're trying to get that stigma to be erased so that people would look at a mental health problem the same way they would um, looking at a heart problem or a problem with diabetes or any other pervasive and chronic illness. So that people understand that whether your illness occurs above your shoulders or below your shoulders, it is still an illness and it's one that has treatment available and it has services and it's no more shameful uh, to have an above the shoulders illness than it is below. Mm. No one seems to be ashamed of the fact that their appendix erupted. People are sympathetic about that. 
um, and we believe that the same empathy should be provided for someone who's had some kind of a brain disorder. Uh, so uh, that would be my response to the stigma. Rather than continuing to hide mental illness and substance use disorders, we would really like people to uh, acknowledge and be able to deal with and talk about and have this be as healthy a conversation as the ones that we're now having about cancer, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, and all the other issues that surround um, everybody yeah. in our community. All of these issues touch everyone. And um, we also believe that with all the anti-stigma efforts, we will be able to assist with addressing the pervasive issues and the growing problem we're seeing with suicides of all age groups as well. Yeah. We really need to work on destigmatizing um, those issues that confront our folks at our behavioral health and above the shoulders. Okay, Sherry McRill, CEO of Northeast Integrated Care. It was really great to have you here. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a break, and then we are going to have a little pitch break. We're going to raise a little more money toward our $500,000 goal for the fall fundraiser. And then when we come back from that, we will hear from the new artistic director of the Michigan Opera Theater. A really interesting choice for this important Detroit institution. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.